0: Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au The last few weeks we've been doing a COVID Context and really what we want to do here at Exchange is try and help grow people in the gospel to actually see the gospel interact with every part of their life and through every circumstance of life that we go through as well. And we certainly know with COVID over the last um, 20 months or so, there's been all sorts of interactions with our life, and many of them negative, and it's how do we respond in that, which we think is really, really important, uh, with a gospel lens to see everything through. So a couple of weeks ago we started with uh, the government, how we uh, respond to the government, and then last week we talked about opinions, about how people have various opinions when it comes to things we might... whoop that was starting to spin on me too. I was preaching once and it just fell right over, but I'm going to just keep an eye on this this time. And uh, last week spoke about opinions. Uh, This week we want to look at um, the idea of gathering together, which hasn't been so well, and particularly today didn't go so well for us again either. But we want to pick that up and uh, again see the gospel, how it frames us in that sense of uh, gathering. Uh, Loneliness though is something also that has really uh, reached epidemic proportions over the last 20 months Uh, through corona. Due to the restrictions to combat the coronavirus, particularly through social distancing here, loneliness has grown rapidly. I mean, just amazing the statistics that have come out, seeing the way loneliness has really taken off uh, in the challenging times that we're we're in. Uh, We were never created by God to walk alone. We were never created by God to walk alone. Uh, The first thing that God said that wasn't good wasn't good in the Garden of Eden, right back in the early chapters of Genesis, was this. It's not good for man to be alone. And they were the words from God at that time. Why? Because we are created for community. We are created for community. In the image of the community of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, there's a community there. In that link, we actually are created to be in community In that image, designed to live in the community that God has called us into being. So if you've got your Bibles, please, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, just think a bit about this community that God's called us to be a part of. Hebrews 10, and we're going to read from verses uh, 19 through to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way... Yep, sorry, I was just double-checking myself. Let me start again. Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. Father, we thank you now for this great opportunity to come and open up your word. we ask and pray, Holy Spirit, as we just think about gathering, as we think about the community that you've given to us and the call that you've called us to be a vital part of that community, uh, Lord, I ask and pray, please just let these words begin to resonate within us here, to not neglect what you've given us through the community. Help us, Lord, to see now, just it's a wonderful, glorious, and a vital thing uh, for our lives to be gathered together in community. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help now, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Hebrews is a wonderful book. We believe it's possibly a single sermon that's been uh, written, or sp- obviously spoken to churches, but now written for us to see. Uh, we don't know the author's name in the book of Hebrews, but we do, we do know that he was writing to a church that was struggling, a, a church that was in persecution and a church that was in challenging times. There's a few themes that run through Hebrews, but one of the, the really powerful ones is uh, the supremacy of Christ. It's really evident in the early chapters, and those early chapters do show this, the person of Jesus Christ as supreme over creation, supreme over all things. And then if you follow that on, the Jesus Christ becomes the ultimate fulfilment of the entire sacrificial system, as you read through Hebrews as well, and you see what's happening there, that deals with our sin before God. So there's this great picture here in Hebrews of the supremacy of Christ and this fulfilling work of who Jesus is and uh, what he's done for us on our behalf. And look, like a lot of the New Testament letters, Hebrews has this teaching up front. It's what we know about God. We call this the theology of God or the teaching about who God is and what he's done. And then it moves into application. Okay, what does this mean then? How does the gospel then look in my life? How does the gospel work? What should be my response to such grace that God has shown and given me through Jesus Christ? And one of these responses that we are called to today is to stir each other up in love and good works and to gather corporately as the family of Christ. That's one of the responses here he's going to lead us into, as this, uh, this letter is written for us. Here's our big idea as we think about that today, and it's this. Uh, Jesus has called us into gospel community, that is to gather together to be built up and encouraged in love, And good works. Jesus has called us into gospel community that is to gather together to be built up and encouraged in love and good works. Okay. As we think about this now, it's really important again for the foundations that the writer has laid for us in Hebrews. And the foundation of any motivation is really important for the way we respond in life and think about that. And what Hebrews gives us here in these early parts is this unbreakable gospel foundation which actually sees all of our responses come from that. And Hebrews 10.19, this actual part of the Bible we've looked at now, it's a real turning point in this book. But before they turn to application in this turning point here in the book of Hebrews, they actually sort of recap the foundation again in a couple of verses. Verse 19 says this Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, since, because of this, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, because of this, we have immovable confidence unshakable confidence to come before god as our heavenly father it's not about my achievements it's not about my abilities it's not about my resume it's nothing about me at all actually because all that stuff in the light of god is a big fail as far as trying to impress god with my right standing but because of jesus god loves me god welcomes me wholeheartedly through the work of christ Verse 21, he says then, Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here again just laying a gospel foundation, in the Old Testament a priest was the go-between for the people and God. The people would sin and the priest would be offering sacrifices on their behalf. Daily offering sacrifices actually. But now... We have Jesus, the Son of God, as our faithful high priest or our faithful, loving go-between between between us and God. He's the one who's bridged the gap for us. So when you think about that, this is actually just all gospel in those first couple of verses. Again, recapping this foundation. This is the all-powerful, chain-breaking news of the gospel. It's because of what Jesus has done. This is the stuff... That sets captives free. Free from what? From sinful brokenness in our lives. We apply that gospel to our hearts and our lives and it sets us free through what Christ has done. Those truths give me hope and joy. When I hear that again, because I see that I'm loved and accepted by God through Jesus, no matter what I had done or who I am, because it's not about me, it's about Christ. Now again, this, this book here is primarily written to followers of Jesus. Remind them again who he is and what he's done. So, But if you're not a believer today, we are super glad you're online with us. Really, we'd love to welcome new people to exchange us because there's lots of stuff here for you as well as we think about the community that God's called us into because you might be feeling, I feel lost and alone. I'm not sure who I am. Well, Jesus wants to call you into his community to find identity in Christ and forgiveness in in Christ alone. So let's think about now this foundation he's built, and where the writer takes us to next. And as I said, uh, Hebrews ten nineteen is a it's a turning point in this whole book. The word therefore that you see right at the start of verse nineteen means because of all the truth that I've just written in these previous ten chapters and eighteen verses, because of all that truth I've just shared with you, you are now set free to respond. And live in this way. Live in this strength. Because of what you know about Jesus and what he's done, here is how you should live. And he sort of starts off there since this, since this. It's sort of because of this, it's because of this. Now it's let us, now it's let us, now it's let us. And this is exactly what he does. He gives us like three directives. You get two since this, since this, but now it's three times let us, let us, let us let us now joyfully live out the gospel in verse 22 it says because since let us now draw near with a true heart because of who jesus is let us draw near with a true heart to god in a prayerful relationship in what in full assurance in total confidence that he welcomes And delights in me as his son, as a child of God. Despite what the past sins may remind you of, and it's very good at doing that. Our past sins do come back and try and fill us with guilt again. Despite all of that, the Holy Spirit has renewed me. And has renewed you, if you're putting your trust in Christ, with a new heart. Telling me, Jesus has paid the price of my sins. So... He's telling us, draw near. Let us draw near. He loves you. He wants you to come and pray with him and a loving relationship with him. Because of the confidence of Christ, we can draw near now to a heavenly father. That's the first directive he gives us there. The second directive for us is in verse 23. It says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope is the gospel. It's, it's the truths of who Christ is. And then because of uh, God who stands behind the promise of salvation, he cannot fail us. He's the one who stands behind these promises. And because of that, because of that, he's telling us, don't waver. In other words, be rock solid. Be rock solid in what you believe. God cannot be shifted, even though we have shifted this morning in locations, God has not shifted. His plans and purposes are still in place. Because of that, we can hold fast. When the winds of adversity come to smash us from pillar to post, and it does in all sorts of ways, he's saying let that serve to stiffen or grow our resolve, to grow our hope in what we believe. Hold fast. ...to the confession of our hope. Don't let go of the truths of the gospel. We need to persevere through life's trials, knowing that God has promised all that we need for this life and is faithful to give. No matter how difficult it is, we hold fast to that confession of truth because the gospel doesn't leave us floundering. It doesn't leave us like a fish out of water with no power to do anything whatsoever. By faith, we hold fast and we experience the hope that God gives us. So what's he say? Since, since, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. Okay, the third one here, third directive, which I want to spend some more time because I think it's more relevant. The other ones are great, but this one's a bit more relevant perhaps to our context. And that is we're called to stir up one another. Let us stir up one another. Have a look in verse 24. He says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now just to shift gears for a moment here, something to note is this. In the first couple of let us, uh, let us draw near, let us hold fast, we can do that sort of solo. It's a, it's a personal thing where we can actually uh, draw near to God through personal prayer and we can hold fast in a personal way. But it changes now in verses 24 and 25. It's not so much a solo thing that he's actually referring to now, it's more of a social or corporate thing. Uh, It's something we're called to do together, and, and we're dealing now with one another in this verse. Other people are now involved. It says they how to stir up one another. So now it's a social corporate thing. It's really important to see it's just a slight change here. Uh, because of the wonder and the beauty of Christ, uh, we are now called into a community of one another's joined together through Jesus to help each other to walk in love and good works. Not singly, but as a community. Firstly, we're told there, Consider. Consider how to do this. Let us consider how to stir up one another. In other words, we ought to be thoughtful and thinking about how can we build each other up in love and good works? How can I consider what to do that will help build up others in this community in love and good works? That is to take the time to carefully think through what will be helpful to foster, to encourage love and good works amongst amongst God's people in and through the church. Maybe we need to stop and think, is this action I'm thinking about, about me, about elevating me, about lifting my profile? Or am I thinking about others through what I'm planning to do that will help grow them and encourage them and stir them up? Because we're told to consider this here. Here's an example. Hannah leads our EC kids when it's able to operate. Is she building a name for herself when she gets up and she asks for volunteers to help out so that people will notice her? Is is that what Hannah's about when she does that and she calls for volunteers? Or is Hannah trying to stir up good works of love within the church to help grow our kids in the gospel? Now fortunately I know Hannah really well and she's the real deal. She's genuinely here seeking good works of love to see our kids, these precious next generation, grow deep in Christ. Hannah's doing this in the larger family of the church to stir up positive gospel action, positive good works. So why does Hannah do this? Hannah does this because of the since this and the sense that And the response is, because of the glorious good news of Jesus Christ, she wants kids to know and to grow in the person of Christ. Stirring up love and good works, considering how to do that. How else are we also called to stir up love and good works as we look at this passage? It's a corporate thing, as we've just said. It's a together thing. It's a gathering thing. Look in verse 25 with me. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, If there's one thing that we can say very clearly about the last 20 months is that COVID uh, has smashed our gatherings, particularly over the last 20 months. Uh, We've taken a massive hit there today. We would have had about 70 people across two services. We haven't got that today. I think I worked out last year, our longest period was 16 weeks of live streaming with just in our homes and no one else could come into your home at that particular time. I did some other calculations and I think I'm very close to saying it's probably two out of the three Sundays over the last 20 months we've actually been either at home or in very restricted numbers. All that says is Our gathering together has been hit really, really hard. Now, those sort of seasons, times, aren't good for the growth of our faith. They actually hamper our growth and our faith in Christ. They actually hamper our growth in the gospel. In fact, we can begin to develop new habits that aren't good for us when it's like that, the whole staying home thing. And unfortunately for some... A call to stay home feels good for them. feels easy. Gee, I'm sort of glad I don't have to go today. It's just like it's just that first thought. Well, here in Hebrews, it looks like they were facing a similar response. Some people here were pulling out of meeting together. For some, we see in the book of Hebrews here, they're beginning to make a habit. As he says, as is the habit of some. They're beginning to make this a regular practice. They're staying away from the church. They're staying away from the gathering of the believers. We can see that they're clearly in verse 25. And the writer actually says they're neglecting to meet. They're neglecting to meet. It's like they're avoiding the gathering of the church or they're abandoning the gathering of the believers. It's a bit like you see that house that's been abandoned and neglected. The thing just sort of falls down into a shambles because it's just been neglected, it's been abandoned and these people are doing the same thing. They're neglecting, they're abandoning here the gathering together of the believers. Why would we neglect meeting with others? Why would we abandon that? Why would we allow that to become even a habit in our lives as this writer to Hebrews here is telling us. Well, here's some possible reasons. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can just stay at home and I can be a Christian. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that's true. That's true. But it's probably a bit like being married to somebody and never living with them. How would that go? I don't think it'd go too well at all, would it? You would have no meaningful relationship with that person if you were married to them, but you never live with them. So how on the earth would you be able to, to encourage others to love and good works, as we've just been told here, to do that, if you're not in fellowship with others? It's just not going to happen. And you'll be stunted in your growth. And if you think about that, what's driving that sort of attitude potentially is this. Independence. I don't need anybody else. I can do this on my own. All of a sudden we become Mr Independent or Mrs Independent because I don't need the church. Very stunted, very shallow, very narrow-minded if that was the case. Well, Todd, you don't know, but there's some people I find really difficult to be with church at, so I just don't go, I just can't be with these people at church. They just rub me up the wrong way. Well, it's probably quite probable that you're difficult to be with as well. The fact that I'm here makes this church difficult to be with because I bring my stuff to this church and not all my stuff is good stuff. I bring some bad stuff to this church. I don't want to bring the bad stuff, but it's sort of part of me. Well, I find these people really hard, so I just don't go well the church is a sanctifying tool that God has given to us it's something to mould us into the image of Christ people and their differences is what God uses to build within us a godly patience a godly character a godly generosity and a godly love and particularly with people that we don't feel like we just click with it's difficult because when we meet people who think differently to me and act differently to me it causes me then to work harder on that patience and work harder on that love and work harder on that generosity towards them. It is hard. I get that because there's some people you just click really well with just like that. And there's others say, this it's not so easy. But God's got a purpose in that. He's changing us. He's reshaping us. He's remoulding us. And it's helping me to become more humble and softer of heart and to stop looking in and to begin to look out. And if I neglect that... If I abandon that, then I miss out on a vital part of my growth as a follower of Jesus. I'm not being shaped because I'm not allowing myself to be across the tools that God's given to me through different people. I miss out on that. But Todd, they don't really need me at church anyway because I'm so insignificant. So I won't go. Well, that's a self-centred attitude of self-pity. Because that's thinking all about you. That's not thinking about the greater body. You're focusing on yourself and you're not looking out at the whole body. Paul calls the church a body. And when any part is missing, Paul says we all suffer. So you might think you're insignificant, but you're not. Uh, My good friend Jeff had an abscess in his teeth this week. It's only a really small part of Jeff's body. But I'm sure he felt that big time. I'm getting a few nods out here as well. He felt that big time. So when somebody's away, we miss them. It hurts the rest of the body. So don't think, oh, I'm not really... You are. We love you and you should be here to encourage us and so we can encourage you. So when people neglect fellowship for that reason, thinking I'm insignificant, that hurts across the board. Todd, you don't know, life's so hard, I just can't face people at church at the moment. It's so difficult, I just can't go, I can't bear it, so I won't go. People can think like that. Now, I can get that for a week or two. There are some parts of life that are painfully challenging and difficult, and you might just need a week or two to regather your balance and actually sort of get yourself collected again, And then, yep, I I, I get that. So I, I totally understand, yeah, for a week or two, through a really challenging point, I just need to regroup. But when you neglect fellowship, abandon fellowship, avoid fellowship, week after week after week after week after week, after week, what are you doing? You are cutting yourself off from the very thing that God has given to you for strength and encouragement. You may think it's too hard, but you're actually cutting yourself off from the very thing that God has given you for strength and encouragement. And the longer you do that, saying it's all too hard, life's too tough, I won't go, the longer you do that, the harder it will be to get going again. Inevitably, you will just dig a deeper hole for yourself. The longer you're away, it'll feel like, I feel like I've got to start all over again. Life is difficult. Life is tough. But don't let that become a habit. Don't let that become your go-to default mechanism. I just won't go because it's all too hard. Again, let me say this lovingly and carefully. If you begin to think like that, that too is a self-centred attitude. It's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for the body. This is not what God has called us to, to just avoid for that reason. Here's another one. I just can't be bothered going to church today. I've got other things I'd like to do, more perhaps fun things. This is potentially one of the main reasons people do neglect fellowship or abandon fellowship or or make it a habit. Uh, Live streaming today again. This is not helping, this whole scenario here of just staying at home. And let me really be clear here about Livestream. Livestream isn't church. Livestream is not church. So don't begin to think, well, I guess I'm still doing church because I'm watching the Livestream. No, Livestream isn't church. Church as the Bible sees it, is the called out ones, the ones who are called out of the darkness of this world, the ones who are called out of um, the darkness of this kingdom, and called into the kingdom of light, into Christ's kingdom, and then gathering face to face in community. That's what church is. That's what fellowship is. It's not live stream. Our live streaming is simply an encouragement that we can do something while we're in this difficult situation. Now, I certainly get that getting to corporate gatherings isn't easy. I understand that. Uh, We raised four kids and did our best to take them to church, often twice on Sundays, and also midweek meetings as well. Uh, Often Laurel would go early and do singing or keyboard or something and I would have to gather the three kids. I got very good at doing ponytails on three girls. I was especially ponytails. If they wanted anything else, I was in trouble. But I can tell you, I can tell you, for us, it started about seven, seven thirty in the morning. It was the whole thing was get the kids up, get breakfast happening, get clothes out. Hopefully, I got the right clothes that matched, and with their shoes or whatever. Being girls, you have got to get that right. Girls, haven't you? Get all that, and I get to church, and then find out I've got the wrong shoes or the wrong dress. But anyway, the whole thing sets up to say it wasn't easy. The moment we got up Sunday morning, we were gearing up, we want to get our family to church. Difficult. You're actually just going to be in the zone straight away. Now, I don't say that to brag because we dragged our four kids to We didn't drag them. We enjoyed taking them. It felt like a drag sometimes. We enjoyed taking them, and we think we've actually done a really good thing in um, teaching our family the importance of gathering God's community through all that effort. So I don't say it to brag. I just say, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It's difficult. It's so much easier to stay home and just play games in the garden. It's really easy to do that. And it's enjoyable to do that. Or it's so much easier just to have a lazy Sunday with a late brunch at the cafe. It's just easy to do that. We just feel wonderful to do that. But laziness, laziness in our commitment to gatherings is neglecting what Jesus died for. Jesus died to rescue and save us, to build a church where we can enjoy God and enjoy each other. That's what he died for. And when we're lazy like this and just so easily neglect it or abandon it or just avoid it, we neglect the opportunity to stir others up in a positive way to love and good works, And we become self-focused. Self-focused. Neglecting fellowship is a dangerous thing here for any believer. Any believer. It's a dangerous thing. Look at this verse in Proverbs. I'm not sure where that one's up there, Kath. No. Proverbs 18.1. Maybe just quickly grab it up now if you're able to. really important verse. Sorry, I didn't put on the the thing before. But Proverbs 18.1 Uh, Is really uh, just hits the nail on the head here. It says this in Proverbs 18.1, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Let me read that again. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Let me just think about what the writer is saying here in Proverbs. When we remove ourselves from the community God has called us to and isolate ourselves, okay. so when we remove ourselves from the community that God has called us to and we begin to move into isolation, we seek our own desire. We actually become self-focused. That's what exactly what he's saying. When you isolate self, you begin to seek your own desires. You become self-focused. And what's he say next? And when that happens... You lose the ability to receive sound judgment, good counsel, wise words. What you do, you actually begin to push back against that when you remove yourself from the community and isolate yourself. Now, that's really dangerous. It's really dangerous when you actually remove yourself from the community and get in that position. So to neglect corporate community with our brothers and sisters in Christ is a backward step. It's not a forward growing step, it's a backward step and will only serve to choke your faith in Christ. It's not going to feed and fertilise your faith and make it grow well. It's going to choke it. And also you lose the blessing and you miss out on the blessing and ability to stir others up to love and good works because you're not in the community. You're not there to do that. God's created us for community. He's created us uh, for a community that Jesus loves so we can bring his love and encouragement to that community. It's a place where you can share your burdens of life. Bring your burdens. We want you to bring your burdens to the community. We want to be able to help you with your burdens. Because you also, when you bring your burdens, could be able to help somebody else with their burdens. Don't neglect it. You're thinking it's too hard. It's the place where God wants you to be. We thought about perhaps some of the negatives on that, so why we don't. But I want us to think about some blessings here that God gives us in the corporate gathering. This meeting together brings with it, so I'm talking about the corporate gatherings now, a deeper experience of growing in Christ. Being with others in one accord, in unity around the gospel, serves to help us experience Jesus with more depth. It really, really does Each of us inspires and encourages others as we gather together corporately The conversation will be around gospel things About what's happening in the life of the church With a gospel focus And when we begin to speak that way we're actually building each other up We're stirring each other, we're encouraging each other Now if you think about that Would you get that in the workplace through the week? Probably not depending on where you work. One person does work in a good place, but others don't. It could be all about the targets for that week. It could be about meeting all the meetings you've got to go to. There'll be nothing really gospel there. But when you go to church, you get this opportunity to rub shoulders with all that, and it's actually serving to encourage and to grow you. That's a blessing when you get to experience that. Here's one. Corporate worship. In a gathered community is an uplifting experience. When I talk about corporate worship, I'm talking about singing and music. Singing the gospel is a powerful thing we get to be involved in. It does wonders for us. I've had many experiences here of powerfully being lifted up through gospel-driven worship. I love it. I just love it when we sing these truths and the way God's gifted people with great voices and talented musicians to pull this together. It's just a powerful thing to be in. It's just amazing what God uses to actually build us up through the corporate gathering, through music and through worship. Now, sure, you might say, but I can do that at home with a music track. I can just put my CD on or go onto Spotify or Apple uh, Music or something and and I can do that and I don't need to be with others. Yeah, Yeah, true, true. But I think there's something special that the Holy Spirit does within us As we gather together and we just see each other singing and worshipping and rejoicing, it actually does something within us to grow us in a corporate sense. Here's a fantastic quote from Martin Luther that he said about that. At home, in my own house, there is no warmth or vigour in me. But in the church, where the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart. And it breaks its way through, says Martin Luther. What's he talking about? It's the gathered community coming with the love of Christ, uniting together and singing these glorious truths of the gospel. You get that blessing in the gathered community. You get that blessing as we come together to worship Jesus. If you neglect it and abandon it, you won't get that blessing. You won't experience that. That's a blessing we get. The preaching of God's word in the corporate setting is a means of the Holy Spirit to work deep in our hearts. It really is. There's just something about the stillness and focus of the act of preaching that we seem to hear the gospel with more clarity and penetration. I'm not saying it happens every time, but there's just something the way God has ordained that preaching in the stillness and the focus and the intensity and the concentration of the moment that he chooses to actually our gospel truths to go deeper into our heart and capture us. Now, again, I'm not saying that's the only way that God works in preaching because you can put on a good video sermon or a good audio sermon and you can get some good stuff out of it, but it's not the same as being live. There's just a difference there. and It's remarkable how the Holy Spirit uses this live presentation through preaching to powerfully send the message of the the gospel to convict us with amazing power and deepen us as well. The New Testament church was modelled around corporate preaching in in the body. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. Do this in the corporate sense. Do this in the gathered community. So there's some blessings that we get just by being together and gathering as that body. So where does this corporate gathering take place then for us? Well there's two places here primarily we see that at Exchange Church. We have our larger corporate gatherings on Sunday which we've just spoken a bit about and this is the context where you experience some of these really wonderful things God does in our midst as we gather. Uh, it's an opportunity to be with the larger community and develop wider relationships. The last few weeks we've had groups of uh, 20 and sort of up to 30 was going to be this week. We've had some new people join the church over the last few weeks, which is amazing. But these new people haven't met the rest of the church yet. So on a larger Sunday morning gathering, all of a sudden they might, there's 100 people here. I didn't know there's a 100 people in this church. And that's the experience you get to have uh, on on a larger gathering. At this stage, unfortunately, we are still under COVID restrictions. We're doing all we can to maximise that, but only can do what we can do. Our second context is this. We also have our Connect and Grow groups. We call them our CG groups. This is another aspect here of corporate gathering on a smaller scale. Uh, You may not get the benefits of communal worship through music and stuff like that, But there's other benefits you get from this corporate group coming together in a smaller scale. You'll get this more intimate relational context in a smaller group in these gatherings. A, A place perhaps for more targeted love and good works as you really get to know each other well in our Connect and Grow groups to be able to stir each other up with. That's another vital context we actually can be together. Uh, Those groups, the the Connection Grow groups, have this basis of fellowship around God's word and around prayer and just being with each other. It's a really, really powerful way that God works in that. And here at Exchange, we consider both of those dynamics vital for gospel growth. Vital. Not one or the other, but actually both working together. Vital for seeing us all to grow in grace. So here, here's the question as we think about that and we wrap this up now. What are you doing with what God has given you through corporate gatherings? What are you doing with those opportunities? Are you neglecting those opportunities and placing a low value on them? Has it become sort of, Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Or do you see what God's given to us as his means of grace and you do your utmost to make them a priority in your life? It's not negotiable. I'm gathering with the believers. Come hell or high water, I'm going to gather with the believers. I can tell you my experience with persecuted believers overseas, sometimes they've got to go through hell and high water Together and actually go through hell and high water together because they see just how vital it is for their lives. Can I encourage you today? Take a fresh look at the community that God has placed us in and don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that it's a take it or leave it aspect of your life. Since this, since that, let us, let us, let us. You can see the build here that the Rite of Hebrews is doing. Let us not forsake the gathering together of the believers, and even more so, let's encourage each other as that day appears. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come this morning and to be able to put this encouragement online. Lord, just a small gathering of a handful of people who are putting this service together. God, we miss the greater gatherings so much. God, we ask and pray, please, would you allow us to be able to regather the whole church together to experience those wonderful blessings, Lord, that we get as we minister to each other and do this in the larger corporate sense. Stir our hearts, I pray, Holy Spirit. Lord, for those who've struggled over these last 20 months and allowed themselves to slip into bad habits, And just church has become very optional. The community has become very optional for them, Lord. Please awaken their hearts to what they're missing out on. For those, Lord, I think church is too hard to go to, or whatever reason, Lord, please awaken their hearts this morning that this is what you've given to us. A place of encouragement, a place of love, a place of building up, a place of growing. Please help us not to neglect this not to let it become a habit, not to believe those lies that get in our heads to say we don't need that today. Father, I pray, please, grant us that ability again to regather and to do this with joy and delight as we're able to do that. And that, Lord, you would be pleased through that to grow your kingdom for your glory, for your praise, and for our good. Uh, Lord, today we ask that. I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.